Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. You know, I love this clip because I'm afraid that in our world today, our world around us looks more like Ferdinand's barn lot than what God has intended for our world to function like. Our our world seems to be motivated and um, encouraged by, by violence by aggression, by people looking out for what's most important in their life. And as we see this unfold, uh, if you've seen the whole movie, it's a, it's a movie all about this battle between one who is driven to bring peace and one who just wants to fight. I mean, that's what bulls do, right? We fight. My concern is that as we look around us, we have come to believe that as a society and as humanity, we are our best when we know how to fight and fight well. But there's something that just doesn't resonate with Scripture because, as we're going to read in just a little bit, there's something about peacemaking that is inherently a part of the people of God. And so this morning, as we think about that, there's all sorts of things that we need to consider. Uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about uh, our push towards aggression is reality TV. I don't know if you are into reality TV. I have to admit, I watch it from time to time. I'm intrigued by the games. I'm intrigued by by different things. But one of the things that continually dry, or, or one of the things that continually um, affects me as I'm watching this is this this awareness that what makes these reality TV shows what they are is this push towards aggression, um, backstabbing, um, climbing to the top at the expense of others. And, and then this is a, a multi-million, I, I would venture to say almost a multi-billion dollar industry where those who rise to the top are the ones who are able to stir the pot the most. And at the end of each season, there is a winner. And the winner, many times, is the one who has been able to outdo everyone else. (laughs) This is a weird thought, but there have been times where I have wondered what I would be like on one of these reality TV shows. Obviously, I I, I don't quite fit the the bill for The Bachelor, but uh, if I did, how would I function as a bachelor? You know, in the context of everything that media and the industry wants out of The Bachelor, could I be a representation of Christ and totally rewrite the scenes in The Bachelor? Um, or There's other ones that are out there. And I've always wondered, what would I be like out there? Because I just have this, this desire to, to do the things the way God wants us to do them, and that is to be peacemakers, Not just people who roll over and let other people pound on us, but people who are actively able to bring peace into situations. You see, peace is not just the absence of conflict. 
Peacemaking is something that we actually proactively get to do uh, in our lives. So here's a question I want you to turn to each other and talk about for just a moment. Take a moment and share with those around you a time when you were involved in conflict. There's all sorts of different kinds, but a time when you were uh, involved in conflict, make sure you share how that conflict affected you. What was the conflict? How did it affect you? Go. Hopefully I haven't uh, dredged up some things that you have kind of been able to put aside in your life. But it is important for us to recognize that conflict affects us. We cannot go through conflict and be unaffected because of the way that it attacks just the, the essence of who we're called to be. Back when we started working on this series, um, it's actually a series that has been in the works uh, far longer than we were even engaged in it. For what we are going through is something that churches across the country are, are giving their time and thought to. But little did we know that on today, blessed be the peacemaker, that we would find ourselves observing from a distance uh, the effects of Russia invading Ukraine. Um, so this message isn't a reaction or a response to that, but it does have something very clear to say about that. We all have been seeing the pictures of the devastation in Ukraine. We've seen people fleeing the country in uh, trains and in buses uh, any way they can to get out. We've seen buildings leveled by missiles and bombs. We have seen the devastation that is happening in the Ukraine. And, and part of us should really, uh, probably all of us, should really have a problem with this as we watch lives being pushed aside for some purpose. And as we think about peacemaking, uh, what we see in Ukraine is definitely not what we are talking about. What we're talking about here is something quite different. But one of the things that deeply troubles me about what we are seeing happening in Ukraine is the religious undertones that exist behind it. The media is not covering that much, but, what the, but part of the reality of what's going on is there is a religious motivation behind what Putin is doing in Ukraine. 
See, Ukraine used to be a part of uh, the, the, the larger uh, reality that was once known as Russia. And around the 1000 uh, AD, uh, the ruler at the time came to faith in an area that we now know as the Ukraine. And so this area is, there's some religious significance to the land that is there in the Ukraine. But that should trouble us. Anytime we see religion motivated, uh, anything motivated by religion that causes the destruction and devastation of humanity, that should bother us. Because you see, religion that causes conflict and destruction really has no place in the narrative of Jesus. We, we should find ourselves uneasy these days because the story just doesn't seem to be working the way God has intended it to. We should find ourselves struggling with what is happening in the Ukraine because being motivated by anything that causes the destruction of life is not the right motivation. It is not what Christ had intended. At the heart of our peaceful actions towards others is rooted our understanding that all people are created in the image of God. And anytime we make decisions, we say things, we do things that diminishes other people so that we might be elevated, that does not resonate with the narrative of Jesus. We live in a world of conflict makers, it seems. We look around. This is not new. It, it may seem that things have gotten worse around us, but the reality is I think we just have the front row seats to all of the conflict where once we didn't have that. In wars past, you didn't get the front row seats like we see today. We can actually see the war happening as it occurs sitting in our own living rooms. That didn't used to be the case. But as you look around, we are seeing firsthand experience of what is happening when conflict has its way. There's all, it's not just the Ukraine. It happens in our own country when conflict becomes the order of the day. What would it do for our world, uh, our country, our politics, our homes and workplaces and communities if Matthew 5, 9 became the rule for us? Not a rule like you have to do this, but a rule like, no, I, I want this to be a reality. See, not only do we get front row seats uh, into the, the chaos, um, and it's not that things have gotten worse because it's always been bad. Think about when this passage of Scripture that I'm about to read was spoken uh, by Jesus on a hillside. It was taking place in a world that was controlled by, by Roman rule. The Romans understood violence. They were really good at it. And here's one of the, the, the things that stands as their trophy, and it's the Colosseum. The Colosseum was a place where violence was sport. It was entertainment. It was a place where all would come to see devastation happen in people's lives. And the bloodier, the better. That's not what God had intended. I want to read for you out of Matthew's gospel. And actually, I want us to read together today. I'm going to read the first verse, and then I want you to join me in reading the Beatitudes. So when we start seeing blessed are the that's where you're going to join in. We're going to say it together out loud, not just in your hearts. We're going to say it out loud. So here we go. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God and for the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. Verse 9 stands out from the other Beatitudes because being a peacemaker is, uh, is an active type of a thing. It's not something that happens to you. It's not something that exists in you. It's something that you are doing. All the other Beatitudes are more passive in nature, but verse 9 is active. To be a peacemaker means that you uh, make a decision to act in peaceful ways towards others. It takes intention. It requires you to be deliberate. Uh, peacemaking isn't just about not fighting, not arguing, not bickering, not doing other things. No, it requires that we actively pursue the kind of things that cause us to be peacemakers. Um, the, the sense of the word is this. Uh, we know that peace is the reality, and we are wanting to engage in things that make that a reality around us. So it's in what we say, it's in what we do, it's the attitudes in our heart, it's the things that we engage in, uh, the conversations that we have, where we recognize, I choose this day to make this reality the guiding principle in everything that I do. So it makes choices. It takes choices. Peacemaking requires we choose pathways of peace. This may be difficult at times, but throughout God's word, we find that what is on the inside produces what we see on the outside. So if we are going to be peacemakers, the reality of peace has to be true in our hearts. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you, what you say comes from within you. If there is turmoil and conflict in you, that's going to bubble out. Now, you might be able to keep that squashed. You might be able to keep that put away uh, under control for some time. But there will come something in your life that will bump you, that will nudge you, that will rub you the wrong way, that will bring out that thing that's on the inside. I have a good friend. I've mentioned him before. I've mentioned this situation before. He, uh, he's a, an evangelist. He travels around preaching uh, the, the word of God at churches and gatherings. He was a Marine for a while, and he played basketball for the Marines. And uh, while he was in the Marines, uh, his relationship with Jesus was not what it should have been. Uh, but once he got out, his life became surrendered to, to Christ. And part of what he saw as his uh, responsibility was he wanted to make sure 
that people were surrendering their life to Jesus, that they were engaging with Christ, that they were having a fruitful life with the Lord. So what he would do is he would actually rub people the wrong way just to see what's on the inside, especially on the basketball court. He would uh, maybe give a little bit more of a nudge than maybe he should have. He'd give that hip check. He'd, uh, make, he would do things that would cause people to uh, respond. And, the, and how they responded was always interesting to him. You see, he never did that just to do it. He would do that so that he could have a conversation with people later. Those conversations were peacemaking for him. Now, some might say that his methods were a little unorthodox, and I would probably agree with you. But I think what he understood is important for all of us. What's on the inside will come out. So take a moment and let's do a life check. Think about the words that came out of your mouth this week. Were they motivated by peacemaking or were they conflict-making? Were you able to rein in your tongue or were, you a, or were you unable to do that and just what you said did not create peace in someone's life, even though they might have deserved that? We're going to talk about that in just a second. Let's be the people that own our answers to what our week has been like. You see, that's one of the things here at Real Life Community. We are passionate that we would be people who live real. And sometimes living real doesn't look very good. But if we're not going to be honest about that, if we're going to hide that, we're never going to be able to fully know Jesus, which is another one of our passions here. And if we don't know Jesus, we really can't find hope. So as we see it, if you will start by living real, owning the things in your life that maybe need to be dealt with, we might be able to move along that process and find the hope that Jesus has for us. Let me ask you one more question as we're doing this life check. What is contributing to the conflict in your life? You might say, I, I, I'm free of conflict. You know, I, I'm, I'm tracking with the Lord right now. I, I find great joy in my life and great peace. But some of you may not be able to say that. And I think part of living real is being able to identify, why is it that I am not living in peace in my inner being? What's contributing to that? What's causing that? Is it someone that just keeps pounding me? Is it something that I have not like, let go of? Is it something that I have not been able to offer forgiveness for? And it just is like this cancer in me that just keeps ravishing me. What is it that is contributing to the conflict in your life? I guess my r real question for you today is this. Do you want to let God deal with that? Or are you satisfied with hanging on to your conflict? Are you okay with the troubleness in your heart? Are you okay with the lack of peace in your life? Are you okay with that? Or do you want what God has for you? And that is peace. Peace that passes all understanding. I do not want to stand up here and say it's an easy transaction. If you just give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory and you're going to move on. It's not that at all. And I've, I'm afraid too many pastors have, have, have made that impression. But people, we've got to start somewhere. And that somewhere looks like us letting go of the things that have us arrested and bound in chains. Peacemaking requires we be at peace inside. If we're not at peace within, we're going to struggle 
to act out in peaceful ways. Inner turmoil breeds outer turmoil. Inner peace breeds outer peace. I was looking for an illustration, and it was going to take too much time, otherwise I would do it here. But imagine I have two um, bottles like you would fill with uh, ketchup or mustard, uh, and you use that bottle to put it on your hot dogs or your hamburgers. You know, a little stream comes out. Imagine that one bottle is full of nice distilled water. And uh, the other one, not so much. The other bottle you can see is just, I don't know what's in it, but it's nasty looking. It's dark. It's, it, it's got an odor to it. It's, it's a mixture of all sorts of junk that kind of got left over. Imagine taking a blender, taking all of your leftovers from the week, throwing it in the blender, blending it up, putting it in there. So you have these two bottles. Which one do you want to be sprayed with? The one with distilled water or the one with the nasty? I'm going to guess all of you would say, let's just see a raise of hand. How many of you would like the distilled water? How many of you would like the nasty? Thank you for being honest with me because that really helps my illustration. But yeah, we don't want to be affected by the junk in the bottle. We want to be affected by the peace and the clarity that we, that, and the refreshness that comes in this bottle. Are there areas of your life where conflict has too much of a voice? You're listening to it too much. You're not telling it where to go. You're letting it fester in you. Peacemaking also hinges on our relationship with Jesus. I just heard a pastor share an illustration. I want you to see a picture that uh, I, I think will prove our point. This is a, a little statue thing that Christy received at her ordination. It's uh, my hands holding it, so it's, it's about that big. Uh, it's Jesus calling Peter. Uh, and it, it's one of those great scenes in the New Testament. And uh, it sits on our dresser. And it's just a reminder of, of our ordination that God has called us to pastor. Now, um, it's not that big. But let me ask you this, which is bigger, the little statue or the car off of Jesus's right shoulder? Which one's bigger? The car, right? Well, it doesn't appear that way. In this picture, it would appear as though Jesus and Peter in the boat are bigger than the car, which might suggest that the things that are closest to us seem bigger than the things that are further away. So my question for you today as we look at this picture is, what is closer to your life? What is closer to your attention? Is it Jesus or is it conflict? Is it brokenness? Is it heartache? Is it that addiction? Is it you fill in the blank? What is, more, what is bigger, Jesus or the thing? Whatever is bigger in your life, that is closest to you. So my question to you is this, as we think about being peacemakers, what does it look like for you to keep Jesus closer to you than anything else in your life? Um, I, there's a young lady that we had the privilege of pastoring uh, at one point in our ministry. 
and she invariably uh, just had a rough demeanor. She just, you would walk in on a Wednesday night, you'd see her sitting on the stairs, and it, looks like, it looked like everything had gone wrong for her. And probably that was true. Her mom had died. She was living with her grandma. Um, she struggled with a lot of different things. Um, and I, I would go up to her and I said, hey, why the long face? And she'd give me the litany of things that were going wrong in her life. And I would always remind her, remember, Jesus loves you. You know that, right? Yes, I know that. But it wasn't a, yeah, that made all the difference in my life. It was not always easy for her to keep Jesus in front of all the other junk. But we kept on with her. We kept loving her. And that young lady has grown immeasurably. Does she still struggle at times? Yes, she does. But the times when Jesus was closest to her life, you could see the difference in her life. She was a picture of peace. What you remain closest to is always bigger than the things further away. Church, Jesus needs to be close to us. He needs to be the first thing that has our attention. Peacemaking seems odd and weak to many. Much like the uh, scene in the video that we just watched, uh, the, the bulls were like, no, you are supposed to be angry. You're supposed to fight. You're supposed to... But uh, Ferdinand, uh, the bull, didn't want to live that storyline. And I wonder for you and I, which storyline do we desire in our life? Do we desire that peace be present in our life and that peace become that which we give? Or do we want to be people who just fight? Do we want to be the people who just live in this constant state of, of, of angst? I see it around me all the time. Sometimes people cannot give up on the chaos in their life because at least they know chaos. They're fearful of what they might have to encounter if they give up on chaos. You know, there's some science that talks about how uh, people in abusive relationships uh, tend to want to stay in those relationships, and there's a lots of different reasons for that. And there are times when we will see stories on TV or, or even our friends who are dealing with abusive relationships, and we're like, would you just leave? But I can't. I can't. They love me. I wish and I hope and I pray that as a society, we could learn that God has a different storyline for us. And that is one that was secured through what Jesus did on a cross. Amen. If we want to talk about uh, um, conflict uh, in the face of peace, let's look at Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, Jesus goes on to say this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile with them. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. 
there's a lot in this passage that we need to unpack. Like, how do we actually do this? Pastor, are you saying we just should let people walk all over us? No, I'm not saying that because there are times that we do need to stand up. In fact, Jesus in the temple is a great example of Jesus standing up for something that was not right. But when we think about this, Jesus, the way of Jesus is completely different than the way we are often taught to live our lives. I vividly remember this conversation. It has happened several times in ministry, probably too many to count. Um, the conversation goes something like this. Pastor, can you believe what they are saying about me or doing to me? Uh, I would usually respond something like, well, is what they are saying true? And the response I would get is, no, I, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind and I'm going to set them straight. I usually, I love asking questions. And I, I'd say, well, how has that worked for you in the past? Uh, and then this is what I would usually get, something like, uh, not so good, but I have to get even. You know, there's this realization, yeah, this isn't a good, but I've got to, I've got to get even. I, I've got to get back at them. They deserve to feel how it feels. So there's my other question. Well, why? You know, you can't make people act differently. You can't make them choose differently. Some people, they only know hate. Why don't you stop letting them get under your skin? You know the truth. Let it be. What if loving those who hate us and are mean to us was our response? Yes, that doesn't make sense in our world. It tells us to stand up for yourselves, fight for your rights. But there is plenty of evidence in Scripture where Jesus chose a different path. Peacemaking, true, hard restoration and healing that brings about the peace of Christ in our world stands out as a stark contrast to what we see all around us. Someone who does the work of peacemaking looks peculiar in the world. They've become odd people in a world where they are created, um, where they were created to be the norm. Peacemakers were to be the norm. God entrusted humanity with the task of caring for creation. Peacemaking is part of that. God created everything, said that it was good, created Adam and Eve, and, and they entrusted, God entrusted creation to the hands of humanity. He says, take care of it. Peacemaking is a much better way of taking care of God's creation than conflict making. Our culture relies on violence to solve problems. We think peace can be achieved by force instead of working uh, diligently as a means of restoration and healing. Some people seem to be more at home with conflict and peace. Ours is a world where we are told to stand up for ourselves, fight for what's right, don't let anyone come against you, and fight for those people that your friends who are being treated poorly. If that was the way of Jesus... If that's the way that Jesus wanted things done, then what Jesus did on the cross was an utter failure. He didn't stand up for himself. He stood up for you. He didn't fight for his rights. He died for yours. And everything and everyone 
seemed to come against him. After all, he died, right? He died. The way of Jesus is different than the way of this world. You see, through Jesus' death and resurrection, you see, we, we have to remember that we are a resurrected people. That is our hope. That is our promise. Jesus didn't just die to be defeated. Jesus died so that he could overcome the defeat of conflict, the defeat of sin. And so I wonder for you, what is it? Which storyline, which narrative is guiding your life today? God wants us to realize that peacemaking is a part of what it means to be God's people. Those for whom Jesus is Lord are those for whom peace is to be their heartbeat. Because it is the Prince of, Pre- Pre- the Prince of Peace who sits on the throne of your heart. So my question to you today is, does the Prince of Peace sit on the throne of your heart? Or has he been relegated to the sidelines to watch from a distance? What if the way of Jesus was the way we choose to live life more than anything else? I would like to suggest to you that this would easily transform everything. But I know that that's not always true. But I do believe that the way of Jesus has the benefit of transforming life for what it's supposed to be. So for you today, as you're thinking about what does it look like to be at peace in your life and to be peacemakers in the, in the relationships that you are part of, what's the struggle that you find yourself in today? I want us to wrap up and think about a few things as we choose to respond today. To live as agents of the kingdom of heaven is to live in a way that is often at odds with what we hear all around us. You are called to be peacemakers. Parents, you're called to be peacemakers in the lives of your kids. Kids, teens, young adults, you're called to be peacemakers in your relationships with your parents. Think about uh, husbands and wives. Think about uh, aunts and uncles. Think about coworkers, the people that you go to school with. Are you seen as a peacemaker? Or are you seen as just another one of those troublemakers? How about in your neighborhood? How about on the road when someone cuts you off? What is your choice? Is it to be a peacemaker? Or is it to be a conflict maker? Now, you might say, but they'll never know how I'm going to respond. Yeah, but you will. And if conflict is the order of your life, I know how you're going to respond. But I just got to ask you, is it going to do you any good? I mean, are you really getting back at that person who just cut you off? What about today when you go out to lunch or this week when you go out to dinner or breakfast and, and you have a waiter or a waitress that is just plain awful? Will you be a peacemaker in that person's life? Because they might, they might be a person in the midst of conflict and they need a peacemaker to sit at one of their tables, 
to speak peace into their life? Will you be a peacemaker or will you be a troublemaker that just continues the heartache in this person's life? What about people that long past have just, they've hurt you, they've devastated you. Have you offered forgiveness to that person? Maybe actually spoken to them and say, I forgive you. But sometimes that doesn't always go across very well either. You're like, oh, aren't you pompous? Think I need forgiveness. No, but have you in your heart of hearts forgiven them for what they did to you? They may never ask you for forgiveness. They may not even ever say that they're sorry. But can you be the one who begins the process of peacemaking rather than troublemaking? Church, I want to ask you these questions. Are you at peace today? In your heart of hearts, are you in at total peace? I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of us in here who are going to say, no, I'm not. Here's the other question. Are all corners of your life at peace? You might say, yeah, I am like 80, 90% at peace, but there's still that 20 to 10 to 20% that uh, I just don't know what to do with, so I'm just going to keep it in the corners. I'll deal with that later. Might you be willing today to sweep out your corners and let the Prince of Peace deal with the junk that lies there? Church, are you ready to surrender the conflict within so that you can cease being part of the conflict without? Today, what do you need to do in response to this message that we are to be peacemakers? At our heart of hearts, at, at the heart of a peacemaker is this. A peacemaker is a person of blessing. The song is being played as we wrap these things up. I, I just want to ask you, are you able to be a blessing giver to the people in your lives? I'm stirring all sorts of junk up in your life, and I would like to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. Because I know that if there's conflict in our hearts, there's no way that we can fully embrace and realize what Christ wants in your life. So let's practice being peacemakers, not troublemakers. Who is someone that you need to offer peace to in your life, in your home, in your workplace? Who, who do you need to go to and say, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you? May the Lord turn his face towards you. Who, who is that person? Who is someone you need to be part of making peace for? It may not be that you are directly a part of causing conflict in this person's life, but you recognize that you need to be a part of creating peace in this person's life. Can you be a positive addition to this person's life? Who is someone you need to ask for forgiveness because you were the troublemaker in their life. I'm, I'm, I've been praying this week, and I'm going to be praying this morning, that you, that, that the Holy Spirit would, would drudge up those things in your life that you've just ignored. You moved on without dealing with them appropriately. 
And my prayer is that today and this week, you would begin writing notes, making phone calls, going to visit, to, to communicate with people who you know you need to say, I am sorry for the way I acted, for the words that I said, I am sorry. And you may never want to forgive me, but I just want you to know that I'm sorry. Being able to say sorry is at the heart of what it means to be a peacemaker. So as we think this morning about how to wrap this up, I just want us to pray. And I want us to, I, I want us to just do this. I, I want us to, in just a moment, you're going to stand and, and I want to give you the decision, the choice to uh, kneel at your seats. Or maybe you want to walk forward and you want to come to uh, these padded kneelers here, this platform that we, the front of, we, we just kind of trans- transition into a, an altar. Altars are places where people have met with God. Altars have been places where people have looked back and said, that's the place that I did that with the Lord. That God did that in my life. And this morning, do you want God to do something in your life about the chaos and conflict that exists in you and the chaos and conflict that you've been a part of? So church, stand with me. Stand with me. And I I would just like us to to bow our hearts before the Lord. And, and one of the ways to do that is just to bow your head. But I just want to encourage you, if you want to come forward uh, to pray, or if you want to turn around at your seat and just kneel right there, I want to invite you to do that. Because we need a world of peacemakers. Not because things have gotten really bad, but because that's who God's people are. We are peacemakers. So this morning, who needs to kneel? Who needs to come forward to an altar and kneel saying, "Ah, God, I need you to do a new work in me. Is there anyone who wants to move right now in a sign of surrender that we kneel before God and just say, God, I am here. I'm here before you. And I need you to do something. Who needs to kneel today? Go ahead and do that. At your seat or at an altar. Who needs to do that? God, I just pray that you would work on our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would speak boldly into our lives and we would be able to hear you in a way that causes us to want to react the way you would have us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would um, move in our midst. Our world does need peacemakers. We pray for the conflict in the Ukraine, and I pray that you would uh, overwhelm that area of the world with peacemakers. God, I I understand that uh, the military in some way, shape, or form is necessary but God, I just, I'm confident of this. No amount of guns, bombs, planes, tanks, soldiers are going to ultimately resolve this issue like a move of God will. God, I, I pray for, for peace in the Ukraine, I pray for safety. 
But Lord Jesus, I pray for revival to happen in the hearts of your people, but also not just in the hearts of your people, but all people. We pray that for leaders. We pray that for those who are making decisions in our world. God, I pray that we would understand the peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray for those who are praying right now about those things in the corners of their lives. God, I pray that as they bring that out for you to be Lord of, I just pray that you would teach them and show them what you want to do about those things. And God, I pray you give us Holy Spirit boldness to go into those situations and change the narrative. God, I I pray for our bodies in here, and some of our bodies are in chaos, and I just pray for peace in the midst of our bodies. Jesus, we pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come and change the atmosphere. Lord, we pray these things in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, I want to commission you to be peacemakers. And I want to do that through this passage of Scripture as our blessing. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified the eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. Church, may we go from this space and be this people until we meet again. Church, might you be blessed. May you also be blessed. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.